0: Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century.
1: I'm Anthony Kent. And I'm Derek Morris, and we are glad you joined us today. Practical insights that can bless you in your ministry in Jesus' name. Anthony, what's our topic today on Ministry in Motion? We're going to explore how one pastor in
0: only in Maryland is reaching out and building bridges with ministers of Other denominations around him, and even other faith communities as well.
1: You know, when I was a young pastor, I have to confess, unfortunately, I viewed myself kind of like an island. And I really didn't build relationships with pastors of other churches in the area. But sounds like uh, Nathan is modeling uh, a bridge builder mentality. That's right. Pastor
0: Nathan Krauss, he's doing that in an extraordinary way. And you know, when we think back to some of the historical figures of Adventism. One key one, Ellen White, who had a great deal with the founding of the Adventist Church, she actually writes about the importance of Adventist pastors meeting with pastors of other denominations, praying with them, praying for them, and building bridges, encouraging one another to to study God's Word together.
1: Sounds like an important
0: topic today. I'm really looking forward to it as well. And... uh, Stay with us, we'll be right back after the break with Pastor Nathan Kraus. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. As our guest today, Pastor Nathan Kraus, he's going to share with us some wonderful insights in building bridges in our community. Nathan thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me I'm happy to be here. Nathan tell us just a little about the Olney area where you're located as a pastor.
2: Okay Olney um, is north of Washington DC about 20 miles it's a residential community that's grown quite a bit commercially recently a lot of shops, stores, restaurants there, there's a hospital in the community so it's, it's a very nice community to live in. It sounds idyllic And what's the church like that's in that community? The church uh, is often called a small church. It <laughs> right? was 98 members when I arrived about 10 years ago. We've about doubled in size now. We're 200. and um, But it's still a small, very intimate church um, with limited resources, but we're doing big things for God with his blessings.
0: Okay, terrific. So you've been there for about 10 years? Yes. Okay. What's been your journey? You're reaching out to ministers of all denominations and religious leaders of other faith groups. Do you have something in your background?
2: Share with us what's prompted this, this journey. Okay. Um, I grew up in a very nominal Christian home. Mm-hmm. We attended church a couple of times a, a month and prayed at dinner time, a memorized prayer. But uh, when I had a crisis in my life, when, when things got very difficult, um, I kind of turned my back on God. I said, it's all uncertain. And, and I just went out and became a hedonist. I lived for pleasure. That became clear to me very soon that it was an empty life. And I did have a spiritual yearning. But having already done the Christian thing in my growing up years, I was teaching martial arts and practicing yoga at the time. So the Eastern religions were very intriguing to me. I would visit a Hindu ashram, practiced Zen Buddhism. And for about three years, I was involved in a New Age cult, a humanistic type of a cult. Um, so really varied in my search and I was kind of picking and choosing whatever from whichever religion and thinking, you know, I can use this or I like that. Uh, and I even in, I had an interest even in high school, I, w- I took a class on world religions.
0: Oh right. So, so you, you really had a, a, a background in nominal Christianity and you were drawing all sorts of material from east, west, basically
2: whatever sounded pretty good you were absorbing. Yes I kind of had this view like uh, God is at the top of the mountain and you can choose whichever path you wish to reach the top of the mountain.
0: But now you're a Christian pastor
2: what what happened? Um, well I, sparing the details sure. I, I uh, had an accident where I was electrocuted with 440 volts of electricity I should have been dead wow. I was caught waiting to die when I suddenly felt an a hand slapped my hand and knocked it off. No one was there. I know an angel of the Lord did that. And again, making a long story short, I wasn't admitted to the hospital until the next day after I'd worked a full day. And um, but I look back on that and I realize God saved my life. So you were electrocuted, then you worked for a whole day, then you went to the hospital. Am I yeah, hearing you right? That's right. And and I was in the hospital a few days, and they said if I hadn't come in, I I would have died probably. But. Um, in reflecting on that, I looked back and I realized uh, all the world religions have a teacher that they follow or a set of teachings, but there's only one who has, which has a Savior. And I really, it became very personal and real to me that Jesus Christ said, I died for your sins. When I was facing death, a black belt didn't matter, Buddha couldn't help, Confucius didn't matter, my new age guru, all of the things that I was investing in really didn't matter. But what gave me peace later was to think, if I face death, I need a Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: So that led you to, to Jesus, that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you had to go through it, but in a sense, I'm, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. Now, Nathan, you, you have quite an extraordinary ministry with ministers of various denominations in Olney and other faith groups, Jewish groups yes. as well as Muslims. Muslim as well. Yeah. yeah. How,
2: how did this start?
0: What was the initiation okay. for this?
2: Well, I've always had this seed planted in my head from college days. I still remember Pastor Hancock at Weimar College telling us, when you graduate and you're in ministry, get involved in your local ministerial group or fellowship or your association. Um, but I, um, I did that in my first post in ministry, but it was so um, unfocused and, and large and anything went that it really became kind of a meaningless social club. Okay. So I would encourage any pastor who's thinking of joining a group, try to help the group define itself and what its its goal is and have a vision um, but recently i have to confess again i was kind of um on the fringes not very involved in a ministerial group and it actually be in the one in the only area just became defunct it wasn't meeting anymore what happened was we had a crisis in the community and whenever a crisis happens in the community it's an opportunity for god to work exactly the the synagogue that was very just about a quarter mile from our church was vandalized two summers ago um, with anti-Semitic graffiti and and swastikas and so forth. And so I saw it as an opportunity, and I have to say I'm ashamed that before this I'd never reached out and met the rabbi there. So what did you do? I went across the street, uh, you know, and I, or down the road and across the street, and I said, hey, I'm sorry for what happened, and I just want you to know we're here to support you in whatever way we can. We don't approve of such things. We're happy that you and your faith community are part of our greater community here in Olney, and we want to reach out in whatever way we can to support you at this time. And what was the response from the rabbi? He was so pleased, and I had found out that there were a couple of other pastors in the area who had also done the same thing, so I got in touch with them. Um, I drafted a a letter where we offered our support and encouraged this group. Um, All, about a dozen of us signed on to this letter. We presented it two weeks later there was a healing sabbath they called it held at the the synagogue 700 some members from or people from the community who were in attendance the governor of the state was there wow. the um... the uh... u.n ambassador to israel was there and a lot of other local politicians and and community leaders so really an opportunity for us to touch a lot of lives there and 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 uh, make an impact I was invited to speak at this, uh, and I spoke on Psalm 133, right. Brothers in Unity. And um, what, a, what, a, what a blessing, you know, the, the doors were opened through that. A number of people um, came to me afterward and said, we would never heard a perspective like that. So it actually opened up a dialogue, initiated an opportunity where Jews and Christians would study together. This is a
0: wonderful story, and there's more to this story that we want to explore with you, Nathan. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. If you'd like some more information about the program or if you'd like to send us some feedback, we're available at ministryinmotion.tv. Send us feedback, but you can also capture a whole vast array of resources there as well. We'll be right back straight after this break. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our guest today is Pastor Nathan Krauss from the Only Ol- Adventist Church. And he's been sharing with us how a crisis developed in the community where a Jewish synagogue had been vandalised and had a graffiti applied to it. But there had been a, a healing Sabbath service some two weeks after the crisis. And Nathan, what, what came out of this? What were the opportunities that came out of this healing service?
2: Well, um... As I shared, I spoke on Psalm 133, and then uh, the rabbi's parents were there, and they said, "You know, we've never heard any perspective like that before." I found that they were approaching the scriptures in an academic kind of a study, and uh, I presented it differently. And they said, "We'd like to study the Psalms together with you and know, you know, what we could grow from through doing that." And so um, we did. We actually began and evening a weeknight evening series the synagogue normally had adult education classes for of some sort anyway and so they plugged right in there a uh, series on the study of the book of psalms the books of Psalms, you know the psalms right. and so um, different pastors or rabbis were invited to present each night um, i actually took a bold approach some presented on praise psalms or psalm twenty three or whatever But having been invited, I said, I'm going to just jump right in here with both feet and try not to be offensive, but just be very open and direct. And I took Psalm 22. Just remind us, what's some of the essential parts of Psalm 22? So Psalm 22 22 is is, is Jesus actually quoted from it on the cross. And uh, of course, we see it not only as something that David experienced, but having a dual fulfillment in that it was a prophetic messianic psalm. And so I explained that, and I was very clear I don't need to offend anybody. I was in the synagogue with <laughs> Jewish people and Christian people, um, but right there in their synagogue I had the opportunity to share, here's a Christian perspective of Hebrew Scripture. And I, no one was offended because our whole point was to understand each other and to respect each other even in our differences. So it was, How we'll, often do you get that opportunity exactly. to share a messianic song? Psalm with a community like that. But I'd love to ask you how it was received. It was received very well. I think many times people, you know, they they'll say I appreciated your thoughts or whatever, but we don't know what God's doing in their minds and what seeds may be planted. Exactly. I actually had after I, I spoke the first time, the president of the synagogue came up came up to me and said, I want to attend your church. I said, Well, we meet on Sabbath morning. You'd have to choose between synagogue and church. So she said, Well, I, I don't think I could do that, but um people are hungry for the Word of God. I see many times in different faith communities it is kind of an academic approach to scripture and I believe we have the privilege of taking God's Word and saying this is solid, it's reliable, it's something that you, know, I, you can count on this and you can apply it to your life today and when you do that people are drawn to it. Exactly, exactly.
0: Now this, this experience has spawned other opportunities to meet together and share and reflect yes.
2: What, what are some of the other opportunities that have occurred, Nathan? No. Well, the group began meeting uh, once a month in a local restaurant, and so we, this week I'll be meeting with them again. Right. And one of the original intentions was for us to study scripture together. Now, Jewish, Muslim, and Christian people all can look back, uh, monotheistic faiths. We can look back to Abraham as our spiritual forefather. So there are common scriptures that we can study in the Tanakh, as the Jews would call it, the Old Testament respected as well by muslims so we we were we set out to do that but quickly failed and it became kind of a planning and meeting and socializing time we're now moving back toward that and actually this week i'll be presenting a study from the old testament to that group and we're going to make that a part of our regular routine again right so.
0: now nathan in in the earlier segment you were talking about how you'd been part of a, a group of inter- interdenominational pastors meeting together And some occasions, it wasn't really happening, but in other cases, it was working. What would you say to a pastor that was part of a group where it wasn't really happening? How would you suggest they could crank it up and, and really get it working?
2: I think we had the added blessing, if I can call it that, of having the crisis occur in our ministry because that propelled us forward where we said, we want to do something which changes our community where these kind of things don't happen. But you don't want to wait for something like that to happen if you can be proactive. And uh, I think if you're in a group like that and you could help the other ministers see that there's a need for us to reach beyond ourselves and not just have a social club here, say, what can we do together to impact our community outside of us for okay. God? Okay. And that's something we have been doing. I actually didn't share that uh, to com- complete my answer to your question earlier. Some of the other opportunities we've had, we've had interfaith Thanksgiving services twice now. Um, since the, the formation of the group, um, we have had studies just
0: Can I just back up there? Sure. What, what do you do with an
2: interfaith Thanksgiving okay. service? Uh, I think, first of all, we have to be willing to accept that we're going to experience some things that are maybe unusual to us and different because in respecting other traditions, and we're not talking about giving up our own values or principles, but um, there is the blowing of the shofar, to mm-hmm. begin, mm-hmm. and then um, one of the Muslim leaders in the community recited a prayer in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not something we experience every day in church, you know, yeah. but that, that is something that we can um, expose ourselves to and appreciate about others. And so that, that's part of it where we all come together and we're saying we're giving prayers of thanks to God. And then uh, I shared a history of thanksgiving. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving is probably the most Christian of all of the holidays we celebrate here in America. And so I love the history of it, and I shared mm-hmm. that with a PowerPoint presentation. Right. Um, and then we do something. We collected canned goods and food, boxed food items that we could share to be a blessing in the community as well. OK. And then we had events for children. It's a lot. You can be creative. There are many ways to celebrate Thanksgiving.
0: OK. So it seems as though to, to really effectively operate together as pastors in the community, rabbis and so forth, service is a, is
2: a great way yeah. to, to work so together. So you can help the group focus on what can we do for the community together, where can we come together and cooperate for the community.
0: Okay, any other
2: suggestions that a local well,
0: pastor might do?
2: One of the things that we've done, uh, we created um, an interfaith panel discussion series. So we recently completed four uh, monthly, we did this, so for four months we had a series. The first one was on creation versus evolution, what might the views be for that? Right. Or uh, the second one was what happens after death and end time events. Third one was faith and finances, and the final one in the series was sex or love, sex, and relationships. Okay. Beautiful stuff to talk about from different perspectives. And on the panel, we would have a rabbi, a Muslim representative, uh, an imam, or someone else, and then uh, two. Christian pastors.
0: Right, okay. the,
2: the, the people who um, attended would have an opportunity for giving feedback and asking questions at the end. Then we would socialise together with some light refreshments. Wonderful opportunity.
0: It, it's, I'd like to explore that a little more. We'll be right back straight after the break as we explore this with Pastor Nathan Kraus. <laughs> Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where our guest is Pastor Nathan Krauss. and joining us is our co-host, Derek Morris. Welcome, Derek.
1: Thanks so much. It's, it's a great discussion today.
0: It is. Nathan, just before the break, we were talking about these interfaith dialogues that have been take, taking place.
2: You said there'd been four. Yes. Remind us again of those four topics. Okay. The first one was on creation versus evolution. Right. The second was uh, called What's Next? It was about what happens when you die and what end times might be like. Interesting. The third one was Faith and Finances right. and the fourth one was Love, Sex and Relationships. And these are areas that we thought would appeal to people's interest because it's where the rubber meets the road when you're yeah. talking about faith in life. These sound like the real issues of life, don't
0: yeah. they? Yeah. Now, what's the format of each one of these programs?
2: Each one has a panel of four individuals. uh, So there would be a Jewish person, a Muslim person, and two Christians is how we worked it out. And that, we felt, would be kind of a broad representation of the communities of faith in our only community. um, And it would vary from time to time. I actually had the privilege of being on the panel at one of the events. And our church hosted the event, What's Next, the one about end times and what happens after death. Right, and how was it received? Was it just a few people there for the occasion? No, it was packed. It was packed with people from many different walks of life and different faith communities. Um, I mean, people want to know what's going to happen after I die. And sometimes, I'm sorry to say, uh, it's unfortunate that they're not finding those answers even in their houses of worship or their faith communities, or they're not finding those answers in a way that meets their needs, perhaps. And so... um, we heard from different perspectives, and again many times what was presented and i don't mean any disrespect to others who are faith leaders, but it may have been very academic or it may have been you know this this is one view or here's another view, and kind of just throwing out ideas. Um, what I tried to do, and I think what God calls us to do in ministry is to say, what does god's word say about this and we took it from there and I presented what god's Word says about that topic and had a lot of positive feedback at the end people said you know what you presented really made sense it was the best we heard well that's not any credit to me like well look how great I am I simply took God's Word and said this is what we read in Scripture about what can expect after death
1: that's interesting it seems that even if people wouldn't agree with you they at least would know that you went to the Holy Scriptures as as a a guide and for many of them it was the first time they'd heard that view.
2: Presented from the scriptures themselves. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now,
0: what what would you suggest to a pastor who's thinking, is this important? Why why should a pastor invest some of their limited time, Hmm. discretionary time of ministry, and involve themselves in a venture like this?
2: Well, I think we do need to be sensitive to our time constraints. I respect that when pastors have that. I was actually, when the the group was forming, they asked me to serve as the president. And I said, I probably couldn't do a good job with that because I do have limited time constraints. And, and so um, someone else is doing that and doing a great job, one of the rabbis. Uh, but you can still be involved. You can still, you know, even if you can't attend everything and every time, try to connect. I think any time we rub shoulders with people who are different from us, mm-hmm. we're actually following the model that Jesus gave, aren't we? Jesus was very deeply involved in the lives of people in the community. He wasn't afraid to brush up against people who were quite different from Him, Mm -hmm. whether theologically or by lifestyle or whatever. And that's how we get the salt out of the shaker, so to speak. That's how we get the light out into a
1: dark world. You know, I was thinking what Jesus said, Anthony, where He said, don't cover the light with a basket. Right. You're the light of the world. And and I hear you saying that... uh, that you make time. You, you only have so many hours in a day, like any other leader. But it would be you take very that easy for very us seriously. to
2: say, I'm too busy. There are so many things calling for my attention in my local church and its, in its own community. Um, but I think our members begin to understand when they see what's happening that this is an investment where God has called you to minister outside of, of the church itself uh, in your local church community, but to the community in which you live. You know, just coincidentally,
0: this morning, for my devotional, I was reading from the book of Acts where Paul stood up in Athens mm-hmm. and talked about mixing with a, a different community and presented the, the gospel there. It was an extraordinary presentation. Yeah. Now, there wasn't a huge response, but there were some important responses
2: there yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned the book of Acts. I'm, I'm reading through it and preaching through it myself right now. And one of the things that has recently impacted me is in Acts 5.20 when Peter was... Uh, released from jail by the angel. And what did the angel tell him? Go stand in the temple and speak the words of this life to the people. Um, and in my study, I, I learned that the temple is called by, was called by the Jewish people the house of our life. But the angel says, go speak the words of this life, this life in Jesus. And I think that's what he's calling us to do today. God tells us, go speak about the life you have in Jesus. Where The temple was a common meeting place where, you know, kind of the the masses came together, we need to go be a part of our community and speak about the life we have in Jesus.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well this has been a fascinating discussion, it really has, where we've seen a local pastor, and with all respect Nathan, it's, it's not a mega church that you pastoring. No, it's not. And it's not in a, in a metropolis, but addressing a real need where there was a crisis that came along, a, a tragic event, and yet positive things have come out yes. of that. And this has just been so Holy encouraging. Only God can do
2: that, too. It's it great true. how he turns things around for the blessing.
0: Exactly. And we've also learned how a pastor can can reach out into the community, build bridges rather than walls,
2: and, and make an impact for the community as well. You know, and that's it. We've made friends. We've made, if nothing else happens, we've increased our circle of friends. And friends are important in life, right, to support you through. My children playing with the rabbi's children, having some friendship and finding common interests, it's a beautiful thing. And I think it makes the world a better place when we appreciate differences and don't try to accentuate those differences.
0: Amen. That's exactly right.
2: Well, Nathan, thanks so much for joining us. And Derek, as always,
0: thank you for your participation as well. Good to be here today. But thank you too for joining us for another program of Ministry in Motion. We're delighted that you've chosen to tune in. We hope you'll join us next time. But in the meantime, you're welcome to visit our website, ministryinmotion.tv. There's opportunity there for you to feedback, to share resources, and perhaps you've got a story. We're we're eager to hear from you and what you could share with us as well. There's also resources that we're eager to share with you, ministryinmotion.tv. We want you to know that we're thinking of you and praying for you in your ministry, and we hope... you'll join us for our next program on Ministry in Motion. Until then, may God richly bless you.